Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, where we deliver a variety of fresh content to help you live awesome. Enjoy the show. Engage with us online at marksdailyapple.com and on social media, and send your questions to info at primalblueprint.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. If you're listening to this, this is also an episode on Mark's Daily Apple channel on YouTube. Both of those links are in the main uh, show notes of our podcast. Today, we have Dr. Caroline Leaf. I'm really excited about this topic because it has everything to do with our brain, changing our minds. She wrote a great book that just came out. You have to get it. It's called Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, Five Simple Scientifically Proven Steps to Reduce Anxiety, Stress, and Toxic thinking. Dr. Leaf is a communication pathologist and a cognitive neuroscientist with a master's and a PhD in all sorts of interesting, awesome, amazing topics. So we can read everything about her in the show notes in detail, but I will, I just want to jump right into it. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. I'm very thrilled to be with you. Lovely to meet you. So I think, you know, this is great. Everyone, everyone needs this, you know, our podcast Primal Blueprint, we're really focused on the health and well-being that really came from the blueprint that our ancestors sent for us that Love is with our DNA. And, and part of that is our hunter-gatherer ancestors didn't wallow in victim thinking. They didn't have time for this sort of luxuries that we do now of simmering in things that are really affecting us. And there are choices. And I know a lot of mm-hmm. people think they can't change. Before we get into details, can you explain what neuroplasticity is. I think a lot of people hear this when we talk about changing and rewiring our brain. Can you kind of give us a third grade understanding of, of how, how this is and what, what it is? Absolutely. And you're so right what you say. Our blueprint is one of actually managing our minds. So basically neuroplasticity, I've got a brain here. It's always easy to look with props. So basically we the first point about understanding neuroplasticity is that you are not your brain. So mind and brain are two separate things, but they work together. So if you did your brain does nothing. Like right now, because you and I are alive and the listeners and viewers are alive, it's your mind that's actually changing your brain. So your brain can't change unless you actually have your mind driving that process. So the difference between a dead person and an alive person is the mind. And the mind is this energetic force that we can understand with gravitational fields and quantum physics. And on a psychological level, it's our ability to think and feel and choose. And from the beginning of time, this is what mind has always been. And we have a brain that responds to mind. So mind is brain basically responds. Brain and body, I've got this other model here, brain and body respond to mind. So neuroplasticity is how the brain changes in response to mind. So to make that more sort of understandable, as you wake up in the morning, you're experiencing life. You get on your cell phone, you read the text, the emails, the conversations, the business meetings, politics, life happens. You experience anything from eight to 10,000 experiences in a day. And those experiences are processed through your mind into your brain. So your mind grabs all the electronic, electromagnetic fields and so on and gravitational fields. And then that's pushed through your brain and your brain and brain responds electrically, chemically and genetically and structurally. So it changes. So our mind's always experiencing changes. So that means that the, that the mind moves through the brain. So the brain's always changing because of mind always changing because of life's experiences. And neuroplasticity is this ability of the brain to be changed by the mind. It also gets changed by what we eat, um, medications, that kind of thing also change the brain. So it's anything that's put in. But if you did, no change has happened because nothing, the brain can't do anything. So it's our aliveness that is causing that change. So it's 
the brain changing neuroplasticity, the brain changing in response to mind input. And is this what we see when, when brain researchers are like, let's say they've got a brain scan and a person learns a new thing. And they can sort of see those sign or what are they called? They just sort of connect. Yes, the sign of the connection. I mean, is that a visual? Uh, yes, I actually, I actually, I actually have a, a beautiful visual of that happening. So yes, basically, if you, there's, you can see the little connections happening, which is the little branches growing. It actually looks like trees. This mm-hmm. is an analogy that I always use. So right now, this is what you are growing. My words are being converted by your mind into these little tree-like structures in the brain, which are made of proteins and other stuff too, but basically proteins and chemicals. And like a tree has a root system, my words in our discussion would be in the root system because that's the source information and it's growing as I'm speaking. But it's this conversion of sound and what people see through the mind and into the brain and then the these little things grow in the brain. And if you did, that can't happen. So it's, it's a very, it's a very driven, it's a process driven by us. And that's very critical because that means that we can manage our mind. The implication there is that we are able to manage how thinking, feeling and choosing. Now, what's interesting here is that the roots would be the source of what our experience is. So whatever happens, the email, the conversation, the whatever. And then that's the, the tree trunk and the branches are your perception of it. So for example, all the listeners now and the viewers are hearing the same information information. So that's the same, but this is different. So the interpretation, how each person perceives and understands this information is based on their experience, their uniqueness, et cetera, et cetera. And this thing collectively then becomes the source of the change in behavior or what you say and what you do. So that's how that's great if it's healthy, but we can also have toxic. So we can have a toxic experience, which would then be a toxic root system with a toxic perception or, you know, a viewpoint. And then that would be your interpretation, which would be toxic. Toxic, and then that would generate warning signals like depression and anxiety to say, hey, this is this is threatening survival. This goes against the blueprint. This is not the blueprint. This is the blueprint. So we have to manage these. And that's what I've studied for 38 years now and done clinical trials and to show what this mind is, what the brain is, and what is our what does it mean to manage your mind? And do we have agency and can we do it? And the answer is yes. You know, it's interesting. I was um talking to someone today about this, which is, you know, the mind or we think it's playing tricks on us or it actually is. So for example, um, we can't, there's no, uh, proof like of the past, like whatever we've experienced in the past was in that present moment. You know, we can't experience the future. And even when we do and the future comes, it's going to be in that present moment. Yet we, we run tapes through our head of, of the past, you know, and again, maybe our hunter gatherer ancestors didn't have this luxury. Cause they're like, uh Oh, we're getting chased by wildebeest. We don't have time you know, to be sitting around thinking yeah. about this. What is it about us that makes us go in there? It's not all, I mean, some of it's conditioning, it's teaching, of course. Um, it's, it's a social convention of people complaining at the water cooler, so to speak. And maybe we join in on it, but what is it? What is it about us that we get into this place where then we have to go, okay, look, I need to start to really see if I can control and manage my thoughts because they're out of control or I'm sad all the time or I'm reliving the loop. Uh, And there's where people say, oh, this trauma happened. It's so bad. I'll never be able to get over it or or those kind of things when that's not really true. What is it about our brains? Why, Why aren't we tipped the other way? 
Okay, so what's happening there is that mind brain can't do anything. Brain is just a responder. So the work's happening in the mind. The brain is the machinery that actually helps to convert the mind experience into an action that we can speak and do, etc. So mind is this part that you've got to begin that answer because you have the conscious mind, which is what we're operating in when we're awake. But at the same time, we have the non-conscious, N-O-N, which is an area that's not very spoken about enough and there's a and that's caused a lot of the reason the 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 the, the, the problem that you basically pose exactly. is coming from yeah it's coming from our misunderstanding of mind and our lack of awareness that we have autonomy and we have agency which we instinctively know i mean in our blueprint we instinctively know that because we'll yeah. often say things like well i don't really you know we kind of know what we should be doing and what we should be saying we know that but we don't always function on that and there's reasons for that so first very quickly first part of the answer our non-conscious mind is massive and it basically is all our experiences from a certain point in the womb that have been converted into these trees good and bad okay and so we've got this non-conscious mind that this is, is this huge forest just imagine a huge forest full of all these trees some big some small some very well established lots of green and little toxic ones in between which are all our experiences so that's what you were saying there that's our conditioning our nurturing life it's all the every experience is converted and built into the non-conscious mind which is in the gravitational fields and it's in the brain in the form of these trees and in our DNA. So every experience is in three places. The other thing about the non-conscious mind is that it, we time travel, like you've talked about present, past and future. In the non-conscious mind, the present, past and future are all kind of happening at the same time. So you, you can't ever just be in the now. We are always, because the now is informed by the past and influenced by the future. So we time travel all the time. We spend three quarters of our day daydreaming and going into our mind and we shifting between the past, the, the present and the anticipated future. So that's important to know. So what we can do is and which you're not trained enough to do. And especially over the last 40 years, because the last 40 years, there's been a huge shift towards neurobiology as, and I've been involved in this field for 40, nearly 40 years now. And I've watched how we went from mind and narrative and people's stories and in more interaction to very much focused on the neurobiology, the brain, 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 the brain made me do it. We be currently in an environment where everything is about your brain and, and they've spent billions looking for neurobiological correlates of our emotions. They've tried to medicalize misery. So when you bring everything down to a very physical brain state, you lose the whole context of humanity take that concept and then you people start then labeling um, depression and anxiety are labeled as illnesses and be told we have chemical imbalances now none of that is is accurate science it's all been disproven never was actually proven in the first place and it's been shown to actually create a problem in humanity because for the first time in decades people are not living longer they're living shorter lives for years we've been living longer lives but this shifted between 96 and 2014 a shift started happening and people started dying younger. And by 2014, it was confirmed that people are dying 8 to 25 years younger than they did for decades. And that they're tracking back to preventable lifestyle diseases, which is mismanagement of mind. So if I'm constantly... But think of it like this. We now, 40 years ago, we have this move towards, and it grows towards seeing you as your brain, as very biological. Then we have the introduction of that, of technology. Well, the, the development of technology, which has given us access to data. So we in hurry sickness. We've got, we've got all the stimulation, but we, we don't think things through deeply. 
our blueprint to use your terminology is to think things through deeply. If we just keep gathering data, it creates a lot of toxicity in the brain and the mind. So here we are ignoring the mind and saying your experience of your trauma is not important. Clinical depression is the important thing. We've got to label you, put you in a box and, and get rid of symptoms. So you're not allowed to process the pain. You just got to label it and live with it. So we've got is the it, message- in our modern life, we got too many things happening where we can't sit there to process the one feeling or the Ex thought. Exactly. Too much and data and, and versus before where life was simpler and there wasn't as much data. So you could sit there and actually mull the thing over. That plus the fact that we aren't really see as soon as you have any negative emotions like depression and anxiety, they labeled as illnesses. So we don't, we don't process through the pain. We don't process, we don't train ourselves how to self-regulate all the experiences and the busyness of life because that's the advance of the technological age. So, and people also with the advance of all this data, people want quick fixes, hurry sickness, so much going on that we're not taking that time to slow down. Too much data, incorrect eating patterns, all of this kind kind of happened at around the same time 40 years ago. So we started changing our patterns and those patterns have led to mismanagement of mind because your mind drives everything. If you're dead, you have, nothing happens. So mind is always with you. You wake up with your mind, you go to bed with your mind, you eat with your mind, you listen to this podcast with you your mind. With you, your mind, I guess. You, or you, you yeah, you, you go to sleep with your mind, you dream with your mind, your mind is driving everything. So if your mind is like squashed in a box where it's got all this data coming and you don't have time to process and bad food, which is now not, not feeding the brain, and the body, not moving enough because people have become more sedentary, going through trauma, not being allowed to actually process your trauma, but being told you've got a clinical brain disease and now you're in fear and think you're going to have to live with this. We've taken away people's hope. We've taken away people's yes. agency and that's massive. And when you, you do know, I'm that- I'm so glad you said that. I hate to interrupt, but you know, on this no, no, go show, ahead. half the people I've interviewed and half of our success stories on Mars Daily Apple are people who cured themselves of MS, rheumatoid arthritis, told, were told they were going to be in a wheelchair for 10 years, no hope, sorry, Charlie, this is the way it is. And it turns out they were wrong. So exactly. it's absolutely a podcast of believing and, and really knowing through, you know, not only N equals one myself, but other people who've overcome. But I agree with you, um, especially the modern sciences against no hopes, like, nope, just take the pill and we'll just check in next year with no diet or lifestyle or stress management or anything, which yeah. is really not giving them much hope there. It's just saying you got disease, take a pill, nothing you can do. Exactly. That's terrible. But meanwhile, the research shows that if you actually, I've done clinical research for years and I've actually put, that's why I've put clinical research into my book in a very simple way so that people can see the impact of mind on brain. But that this is what we're saying now has got a hardcore scientific 150 years worth of research behind it saying you can't ignore a person's narrative. You can't, you've got to allow people, you can't medicalize misery. You can't just ignore lifestyle. Life, people are dying from preventable lifestyle diseases. So we have to teach people to manage their mind. This is, it's as simple as this. You can eat a great diet. You might be eating an organic, sustainable farm to table, but if you're not managing your mind, you will lose 80% of that nutrition because for example, your pancreas just won't work properly because your mind drives your digestive system. So if you're not managing your mind, that's a mess. That means your digestive system is a mess. You go to the, you go do a workout, which is a great thing to do. I work out fasted workouts all the time. And the other day I was at the gym with my husband and one lady said, oh, hi, Caroline, are you here to just get your workout finished and done with? like over and done with, I said, not at all. I said, if I had that attitude of just going to get it over and done with, that's toxic. I would lose 80% of the benefit of that exercise. I mean, this is how basic it is. Because, you can, because what you're saying is you, you can use your mind to contribute and, and elevate. Well, it does. Things. Drive. 
Yeah. Not, not even contribute that too, but it actually drives it. So it's the driving force and it's the elevating force. It's both. It's the primal force. Your basic, your mind is your aliveness. So if you, if you just let it go, it kind of just will be haphazard all over the place because it's very, we're very experimental creatures. We are experiment. We don't know what's coming up next. So everything is a think, feel, choose, think, feel, choose, trying to work it out. So we make a mental mess all the time. So we're supposed to be the, our design of our brain and our body is for survival. Survival, which you, you would talk, call the blueprint in terms of the language of your podcast, that is designed for survival, which means I'm supposed to be noticing my messes and managing them. So this is how simple it is. Let's say that you get into an argument with someone and you just carry on and carry on the rest of the day and you build up this whole narrative and it carries on it's the next off. way. I'm, rolling, I'm revisiting, I'm re-stressing. Yeah, and then yeah. A, a week later, it's still a thing. And then you see them a week later and just carry and you just there's a pattern now that is toxic. That's the experience. It's toxic interpretation that has changed the environment of your brain and your body and increased your vulnerability to disease by 75 to 98%. Now you add that vulnerable, you add this plus the trauma you haven't worked on plus the other issues. And you're just living in this boomerang, like bashing from one thing to the next, never managing any of it. You then start feeling overwhelmed. You start feeling completely toxically stressed. 1,400 neurophysiological responses in your brain and body are now working against you. Your vulnerability to disease has increased by 75 to 98%. You're feeling awful. You eat junk food. You're not doing exercise, or maybe you are over-exercising, but your mind's not right, so you're not getting the benefit. And it just becomes this negative cycle. And so it's like bashing through life, but that we can manage. We can actually stand back and observe ourselves, use our mind, to, to our blueprint mind, our wide for love survival mind to stand back and say, hey, this is enough. I embrace this. I see I'm being toxically argumentative. I'm being, my relationships are messing up. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. And that's okay. I'm a human. I'm responding. I've made a mess and that is okay. We have to give ourselves permission that this is not something bad and terrible unless you shove it down. But if you accept it, a minute from neuroscience, the minute that you actually embrace something to process it and reconceptualize it, you have weakened all the little protein branches, which means it's now malleable, which means it's now changeable. So you you can now fix this and you can turn that into this. And then that brings you the mental piece. And that's what mind management is. And neuroscience shows that we can do that every 10 seconds. I'm not asking you to sit and watch your watch and like every 10 seconds. It just means that we can go through the day when we're conscious, being very deliberate about our consciousness, deliberate about how we're thinking, how we're feeling, how we're choosing, how you're speaking right now, how you're, how's the person responding? How's your body language? How's your email that you just sent? Is that, what kind of effect is that going to have? What is this, the sentence you've just said in this conversation, what impact has that had on that person? What you know, that's what we're talking about. Managing those, recognizing, oh gosh, I'm people pleasing. Oh, I've just got imposter syndrome from looking at social media, you know, and catching those. And as soon yeah. as you catch them, the minute, and this is so key, L, because as soon as you catch them, as soon as you go into this awareness state, your body, even if you haven't fixed all of this stuff, because you can't fix it all, it's a lifestyle. You're gonna like you keep cleaning your teeth, you keep cleaning up your mental mess. But as soon as you go into the mode of my management and self-regulation, you shift your body back into a much stronger resilient state. And that vulnerability to disease reduces dramatically. You and so by just being aware of just, what you just being, to attack and exactly with. just being aware, but then you can't just stay in awareness. And that's what a lot of mindfulness will do. It will just create awareness. But if you just 
stay in awareness and you don't manage that awareness, then it'll boomerang back and you'll get worse. And that's what I found in my clinical trials. In our control group, we created this awareness in people through all the psychological narrative and brain and blood and DNA testing, but we didn't give them the neurocycle, which is a system I've developed for mind management. But the experimental group, they got that. So they create awareness was created plus they had management. So they went from awareness to brain preparation to management. They, 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 the immunity increased, the information dropped, the brain, the brain resilience healed, the brain balance healed, energetic levels, their narrative changed. We had people at the beginning of our study, and there's one case study I have in the book of a subject that came in who was clinically, so-called clinically depressed. They said, I am clinically depressed. I am. That was the identity. I am hopeless. I, my, my relationships are shot. My work is shot. I, I've done everything. Nothing works. I want to, I just, this is my last. They were they were about to check out. And within three weeks of using mind management, no, no tablets, no quick fix, 15 to 45 minutes of using the neurocycle daily in an app form, not direct therapy for me, on their own. This is the power with their mind, just giving them at the system. They could they, they then con, went from saying I am depression to oh, now I know why I was depressed. Depression's not an it. I'm not ill with depression. I don't have clinical, that's not my identity. I feel depressed because of. I feel depressed. These are my behaviors. Those are my signals. This is the reason. And I now know what to do. By day 63, because it takes nine weeks to form a habit to create behavior change, not, not three weeks. It takes three weeks to identify and, and reconceptualize, but it takes another, uh, another six weeks, so 63 days in total, to make this strong enough to impact your behavior. A lot of people don't go that far. They, they make the changes, but then they get stuck because they don't do give the, the new thought enough energy to impact behavior change. So, so what I've developed is a very systematized approach that is a disciplined, organized approach where you get your mind under control and you train your mind to work in these little bite-sized chunks every day over 63-day cycles to, to identify the patterns and break them down. But then you can also use them in the moment. So you can use the over time. But in the moment, if you have like the imposter syndrome and you just look at social media, now your day feels awful because now you feel terrible. You can immediately catch that, use the five steps and not and change that around so that it doesn't become toxic. And it's that process that the more we do it, the more we actually get better at it. And mind management then becomes a lifestyle and we start responding in a much healthier way. So it's very exciting. And it's, that's where I say you can improve how you manage anxiety, depression, and toxic thoughts by 81% using mind management. Let's talk about, um, obviously, you know, I know you go through a great detail in your book, but can we roll through the five steps or can you give us a little bit of a, uh, Cliff Notes version of of some of the things we can start to think about if we're having a stressful thought or we're having anxiety or you know whatever the toxic uh, moment is. Absolutely, absolutely. So the the first part of it is to have this awareness to rec to realize that you do have self you know it's a hopeful message of you can self regulate you can learn how to do this so you may not be really good at first but the more you do this the better you'll you'll get then the mindset that you come into this whole neurocycle with is one of it's okay to have depression and anxiety these are not bad things give yourself permission they're not illnesses they are warning signals of an underlying cause there's an underlying story so that's a very different message to oh, I've got clinical anxiety I'm this I can't do anything Thing and that's now the excuse for everything falling apart in my life. Mm -hmm. So you, you don't say that. You say, okay, I've got 
anxiety. Forget the clinical part. I've got anxiety. So does everyone else in the world to varying degrees. I'm not any, you know, this is okay. We all do, you know, so it's to recognize this is not just you in the story. If you're human, you've battled with anxiety. So it's that kind of attitude. Then to recognize that as, as the other part of the mindset is, okay, I see this as anxiety as a helpful messenger and I'm going to find the message. I'm going to find out why I'm doing this and I'm going to reconceptualize that. The other part of the story is to recognize that we're using our mind to change clean or or wise mind um, to to fix up this messy mind in order to change the brain of the body. So think of of flying a little helicopter and is you the pilot and you like experimenting and learning to fly and like life's this learning and you're making a mess and sometimes you get it right and sometimes you don't and it's up and down. But there's also a co-pilot, and the co-pilot is your wise mind, that you, that instinct, that survival instinct that we have. Scientists call it the wired for love. Neurobiologically, we wired for love. We don't have any structures for toxicity. We have structures for health and for managing toxicity. That's why I was saying earlier on, if you just start managing the process and recognize, hey, this is helpful, immediately there's a shift. Within milliseconds, you can go from, oh, I'm so anxious, I'm, I'm clinically anxious, and there's no hope. You, that, that will be 1,400 neurophysiological logical responses will work against you instead of for you. In an instant that can shift if I say, okay, I'm not clinical anxiety. That's not my identity. My identity is me and I've made a mess. Okay, so let's find out why I'm anxious. That shifts 1,400 neurophysiological responses to work for you, not against you. And like one- just in that moment of you sort of shift. self-saying that yourself, you're saying that's how big of a change you're already Huge. on the way by just getting to that point. Exactly. That's exactly, oh, exactly that. One simple example is that within an instant, you, for example, your glucose levels very often in an extreme trauma, um, glucose, cortisol shoots up, but we can measure that with glucose as well. So if glucose goes up, cortisol goes up. And for example, um, just recently we had an acute trauma in our family and I happened to be wearing a glucose monitor because I was testing it out for research purposes, a continuous GCM. They are. And I happened to look down and I saw that my glucose had shot to 240. I mean, that's heart attack state. Yeah, from what? A stressful moment? From, from, from a, st- a very acute stressful moment. And I happened to look down and I, within a neurocycle, I applied the system and within seconds, within it was like about 30, 40 seconds, it started dropping. Within a minute, it was back down to 94 and then dropped to 86, which is my normal range. And as the Acute trauma. So, I mean, that was, but I know that from testing, but the glucose monitor told me that immediately. But if my glucose was a 240, that meant my cortisol was up there, which meant my DHEA was down, which meant my homocysteine was up. Everything in my body would have gone wrong. The, my heart, the blood vessels around my heart in that moment would have constricted, which would have reduced blood flow to my brain and oxygen to my brain. So my ability to think cognitively in a flexible way where, and to think through the situation would have been, I would have been my brain fog, um, panic. Uh, and I was, I was moving in that direction and I saw this and I mean, I know this stuff. So I got myself back under control because I recognized my signals and I neurocycled. So I immediately recognized I'm in panic. I'm in terror. I'm in total grief. This is, it was really a bad situation. And I recognized my signals. So even in my state of, because I've trained myself to do this, you, you know, the first time you do it in an acute situation, you're not going to be as effective, but because I've trained myself to be proactive in that state, I automatically went to doing this. I saw the glucose monitor. I felt 
felt my heart palpitations. I felt I recognized the emotional warning signal. So this is the first part. So I didn't I didn't judge myself. I didn't get mad. I didn't feel guilty. I just noticed. I just observed and I gathered. So I stood back and I like you stand back and you pick an apple and put it in your basket. I picked the warning signals. I controlled it. The awareness creates gives you that autonomy, that agency over the situation because I wanted clarity back. Otherwise, I would have made a mess of the situation. So I, I looked at my emotional signals. I was I looked at my physical. I looked at my behaviors. I mean, I was dashing all over the place. My eyes were flittering. I was I was going to make mistakes. And I looked at my perspective. This is terrible. It's the end of the world kind of story. And I grabbed those in a very non-judgmental way. And then I started quickly. It took me about 10 seconds because I'm so trained in this. Then I started um, reflecting. Why am I doing this? Why am I responding in this way? The most obvious was the trauma, but also why am I reacting like that? And so I started doing a, a mental detective work. Why? Ask, answer, discuss. I reflected. 10, 20 seconds. Then I didn't have time. The third step is to write. In the 15 to 45 minutes a day where you sit down and you do this as a session, you've got time to write. And But in those moments, you just visualize because it's quick. I don't have time to write anything down. So I just visualized. I stood back and literally like I was watching myself through a movie camera. Watch what I was doing, the situation up to that point. And that made me see things that I didn't actually see in that moment. And I saw where this was going and how I looked in that moment. And then that went, took me to step four, which is a recheck, which is, okay, so this is what's going on. This is not going to work. I need an antidote. I need another way. I need to reconceptualize this. I need to get to. And so that then led to this fifth step, which was then I took an action to calm myself down and started speaking differently and whatever and started getting the situation under control. And in that time, which took me about 60 seconds, which was when my glucose monitor dropped. And then as the evening, it was a 12-hour acute trauma that went on and it got better every hour, but there were a few ups and downs and I just kept monitoring and each, then eventually when I had time, I sat down and did a full neurocycle where I did the writing and everything. And that was managing an acute trauma. But sometimes we have patterns early in our life, not sometimes, we all do, where we notice that we seem to have, I'm just giving an example, we got this question yesterday, someone said, you, they always seem to be battling with relationships. They have, they get to a certain point in a relationship and then it crashes. And then they, they know that there's, they just, there's a, like a trust issue and they just can't go to the next level. And it's happening in every relationship. So they're getting so depressed because they cannot form what they really want. So the, the signals, so the warning, that's a pattern. So that means you're not going to fix it in 60 seconds. You're going to have to sit down and commit to working every day for 15 to 45 minutes and going through the five steps. So then you sit down, get out a journal or something that you can write in. I'd recommend a journal because then you can date things and you can track your progress. So, you know, and you then you start saying, okay, let me gather awareness of my warning signals, the emotional, physical, behavioral perspective. Let me start reflecting. Let me write. And when you write in that sense, um, I write, uh, I recommend people write in the form of a metacog. And a metacog is a way of writing that is it's like a pattern. It looks like a tree. It looks like a pattern. So basically, um, instead of writing in lines, you kind of vomit your mind and brain on paper in this pattern format, like a tree with all these branches. You don't worry about organi organizing and order. You just get your thoughts out. That forces the two sides of the brain to work together and helps you to really dive into the depth of why I'm doing this. What What is this pattern from? And that starts giving you insight into the roots of the tree. So that this is kind of like you 
landing your helicopter, you, the messy mind, you, the co-pilot, and you're sitting and you're picking the apples one at a time slowly and putting them in your basket. And then you're taking each apple and you're reflecting, asking, answering, and discussing, working up. Then you ride into the metacog and then you do the recheck and then you do the reflect. And the reflect ends your little activity for the day. You keep it around 15 to 45 minutes because that's enough to do talk. You don't want to do this all day long. Then you'll become a victim and you'll just you know, get stuck in a, in a my, quagmire of just negativity. You want to manage that. So you limit the time, you work on it. You won't see everything today. You may just see one little thing today, one part of the origin story, but then more tomorrow, the next day. By 21 days, you have created a a major neuroplastic changes. We call them gamma peaks. I actually show graphs and things in the book. That means that you've taken this and you've deconstructed it and you've reconstructed it into this. Now, if you look closely, you'll see that some of these are bright and some are dark. The dark is the new way that you want to act or the new behavior, the new way you want to feel and think about about the situation and you know having a good relationship and being able to deal with the because maybe what you find is that you were just never had your came from childhood there was some form of abuse or something and that's impacted your ability so that's eventually what you get to about 21 days you get to the cause so you understand I'm, I'm battling with relationships making me depressed because of so about 21 days you've worked that out so that how you want to be are the dark leaves and the little light leaves are the original story because you don't want to just eliminate your story but you want to reconceptualize it. You want to make the past play out differently into your future. That's basically the principle. But then it's a tiny little tree. And as I said, you would then you would then do the extra 42 days. So where the first 21 days takes you 15 to 45 minutes, the second 42 days is only a minute a day. You just do step five. And so it's very, it's a process. It's not a therapy technique. It doesn't replace therapy. You still go for your counseling therapy this will enhance that. Whatever wellness practice you're using, you this will enhance that. So I even talk in the book about brain preparation. So things like meditation and breathing and and I give some simple exercises and havening, tapping, whatever you do, whatever practice, that's still really good to do just before you do the neurocycle because it prepares the brain and the body. It gets all the neurophysiology in a state of preparedness for doing the hard work of of rewiring the brain literally so you're deconstructing and you know rewiring the brain so those still come in but you can't just be aware like we mentioned in the beginning just awareness will boomerang back because you haven't got the management so you go from brain preparation which creates quite a lot of awareness and then you go to step one which increases your awareness and then you're working through the five steps in a very consistent way so that's basically mind management and the more you do it in the more you do it the more you do it automatically the more it just becomes a lifestyle yeah. You know, at first, um, uh, being aware of your thoughts or the unpleasant times and you're not, it, it's a little bit of work at the, at first, then it becomes yeah. totally natural when you're in the practice where you identify, you were not feeling good and you go, all right, what am I thinking? What am I, but, but at first it is, um, like you're paying yeah. attention a lot and then it becomes totally normal. Like anything else Exactly. I just to highlight what you said about the cortisol as you're going through the stressful situation. So in this like modern world, I always talk about, Anytime we can mitigate cortisol, and like if you're going through either, uh, you know, detoxing from, you know, toxic stress and you're, and you're working on Dr. Leaf's program, probably not the time to watch horror movies and psychological thrillers and things that mm. are going to trigger you right up without you knowing and blasting cortisol, putting you in mm. fight or flight when you don't need to be there and you don't have the constitution for it right now. Do you know what I'm saying? And so, because I, I wear the heart rate monitor, I've seen the glucose thing, and it, you know, it could be something dumb where someone cuts you off on the car, yeah. 
right? Cortisol's rolling, but if you yeah. call my friends, if you're screaming, so in those moments, I'm like, uh-oh, a uh, fake threat that my primal body yeah. thinks is something. Breathe it out. You're okay. It's just a cut. Like I, I do the talk to kind of, yeah. I know that if I stay in that state, I got that cortisol. And I'm just like, exactly. the least of a cortisol surge. What right it is. For a very ill perceived threat that is already over. So I'm just really glad that you mentioned that about cortisol and glucose. And again, if this is a part of, if you're listening out there and this is a part of a weight loss or healing journey, um, or optimizing your brain in any way, if you have TBI or something like that, yeah, you have to stay away from that stuff because whether you think so or not, it is jacking with your cortisol and putting into some fight or flight a lot of the time. Um, exactly. And when your cortisol goes yeah, when your cortisol goes up, you're going to have a drop in your DHEA, which is your mother hormone. So your whole hormone system gets messed up. And then your homocysteine levels will rise. Your prolactin will rise. So it's just, it's, it's a whole downward. It cascades. It cascades. But I showed with my research that, and I showed in the book that you can significantly control that, all that, the cortisol, the homocysteine, the inflammation through the mind management. And there's a, so there's a significant correlation between where you were and where you'll be once you mind manage. And even things like getting into a good diet habit, getting into a good dietary you know, exercise plan, eating this well. This can help with that. It does because there's a whole section on brain building where you use the five steps to build habits. So it's not just detoxing the traumas and managing the moment-by-moment moment, uh, difficult things of life, but it's also a brain building process where you're growing healthy thoughts into the brain. And your brain craves that kind of stimulation. It, it's it, Every morning when you wake up, you have thousands, millions of new baby nerve cells. It's called neurogenesis. And if you don't... Do, Think deeply during the day, which goes to our first part of the discussion. We spoke about the busyness of today and technology, and we've got access to everything and hurry sickness and data. And we don't, if you don't if you don't think things through deeply, focus on, decide, okay, that's all the headlines. I'm going to just read this article, or I'm going to study this. I study brain science. So I'm always using doing research on brain-related mind stuff. And I you, if you if you take the time to actually use the five steps to learn that new information and build these thoughts into your brain. You'll use the new baby nerve cells and you'll build resilience in your brain. That's one of the most powerful mental health techniques that no one talks about except, I haven't heard anyone else except myself talk about it. I trained, my first my first research was with TBI, people with traumatic brain injury. I was like, I did the first work in my field in neuroplasticity with TBI, learning disability. And for years I had those, those were my patients in my practice, including dementias and so on. And I would always teach them brain building first. It was the major portion. Then we would detox. So build resilience and then detox. So this is also, you can build, you can use the five steps to, to do that essential part of building your brain as well as building good habits into your life. You've worked with a lot of people. So I would, you know, it's always inspiring and hopeful to others when we hear success stories, some 180s, people that were like, there's no way I'm going to heal this to now they're fine. Of all of the, you know, what are a few, I'm sure you have thousands, but what are a few that stand out that have seemingly impossible, or the person thought, no way, is this ever going to go away, et cetera. But they used this process. They used the uh, principles in your book, and they actually came out 180 on the other side. I'd love to hear some of those because, you know, those are the things that make us go, oh, wait, maybe it could be me too, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can tell you thousands. We get so many. It's astounding emails and DMs, thousands every month of people that I've never met that have just read the principles because this is my 19th book. It's my best book so far, but it's the 19th. Congratulations. So <laughs> Thank you. a prolific writer. That's amazing. <laughs> 
Um, but I've been around for a long time. So for thousands of people that we've reached through what I do. And just from in, in, in the days of when I was practicing, I would see some of my, like one of my students, one of my first research cases was a TBI uh, patient who had been in a terrible car accident and was 16 at the time of the accident. And it's an incredible story because she was in a coma for two weeks and the doctors had written her off as a, basically as a vegetable. That's what they would say. And in those days, back in the late 80s, they didn't believe the brain could change. And in fact, I did a TED talk on neuroplasticity and the ridiculous question of mind-changing brain. Um, and this particular subject was one of was one of, was one of the first in one of my first studies. Anyway, long story short, she eventually came around. The parents heard about the research I was doing. She was she did come around. She got out of that vegetable vegetable state. It's a terrible thing to say about a person. And she was, but she was only functioning on a second grade level. So the, I was a young scientist early in my just began my practice and so on. And so we worked. She worked three hours a week with me for eight months. Her goal was to get back to school and finish school with her peer group. Now she had lost eight months already. So her peer group were well into their twelfth grade. She caught up from a sec. She went from a second grade to twelfth grade. Finished school with her twelfth grade with her peer group, finished school, went on not only to, this is the most amazing thing. She was a really average student prior to the accident. Post-accident, she became a math genius. She finished school with like such high math grades that she, when we when we did all her different IQs and we did very, not that I'm into IQs at all, but we looked at different um, intellectual measures. She had gone from very average to genius. She went on to get university degrees and I can tell you a thousand stories like that. Now that's someone I worked with directly. There've been other people that I've only worked with for a couple of months and they've gone from literally also non-functional levels back to one guy when was stuck in for years in like, a, it was, I think he was in sort of a t 11th, 12th grade level and and he was in his late twenties. I only worked with him for a couple of months, and then I happened to move uh, move move into another country, and he carried on and. Within a few months, this guy started going back to university and ended up becoming one of the top criminologists in in, the, in his particular country. This is someone who had got stuck for years in in a very low level from a brain from a TBI. I mean, that's the the extent. So there's someone I work with for eight months. Then someone that I only work with for a very short period. Then there's honestly so many stories we get. Uh, what so about many... what about any cases of like anxiety or depression? Oh yeah, yeah. Like, okay, so think like there's no way I need I can't get off meds. I'm always going to have to take Xanax because. I, my anxiety, I'm wired for it, like all the excuses there with all the... Absolutely. Okay, so this is one I've actually got in my book. There's a case study and there's there's someone who is who was actually in... This is just recent. This person, that's the brain and this those, that's all the different, that's looking at the brain and that this is looking at the different frequencies in the brain. It's the neuroscience measure, the QEEG. So you're looking at how the brain is responding. And this shows a brain with very low oxygen, very low blood flow, very impulsive. This person basically said, this person was suicidal, totally depressed, had tried everything, had been diagnosed with clinical depression. They were like ready to give up. I mentioned this earlier on. Okay. So then after three weeks of working with the neurocycle, they, they were the ones that gray means that the brain is stabilized. And the green over there shows that the identity is busy changing. By day 63, there were behavioral changes. So you want gray and green. You don't want blue. And when blue happens, so this is a case just recently of an, a documented case. And I can, I mean, I have thousands of other people that have sent in emails and messages and so on. But that's a documented case of someone who was suicidal, giving up on life. This, that all the medications, treatments, you name it. They've done all the wellness. They had done everything. They, they were I mean, at rock bottom. They said they were at rock bottom. They tried, and this was their last. This basically was the last call. And they, their biological age, which we we assessed from the DNA sample, looking at the telomeres, which is at the ends of chromosomes, and those are a proxy for mental health. And there's not a very 
very lot of there's not a lot of research looking at mind management in telomeres. Mine's one of the f- a few studies, and what we saw was that, and, and normally it takes many years for telomeres to change. And we showed that this person's telomeres shows your shows your your biological age, the health of your cells. So if you're 20 and your telomeres are short and weak, your biological age will be older. This particular person was in their 30s and their biological age was actually in this in of a sickly 65-year-old. When so they the, were a mess and stressed. Exactly. When they were a mess and stressed. By the time the study ended, their chronological and biological age had matched. So the By telomeres the scans you just got to the gray yeah got to the gray got exactly got to the gray and they were saying things like i'm not depression they were that was the example i gave earlier i know why i'm depressed i know what caused it i can see i need to do more cycles because they've only seen this bit but i know what to do depression's a signal it's not who i am and the the inflammation cortisol i mean the unbelievable drop in cortisol increase in dhea you know all those biomarkers that we look at for mental health another uh well mother hormone hormone, but an anti-aging uh absolutely yeah they all work together like if you have if you if you took a blood test and someone had like zero dha it would be like that's the dha of a 99 year old (laughs) exactly exactly it's yeah that's so fascinating this work is so fascinating. I could tell you are so charged up about. That's what I love about you and your work. You're you're very just you're passionate about it and you have been for so long. Um, Thank you. What are some What are some things you'd like to leave our audience? Well, first of all, tell us: Can we work with you directly, or do you have people that you read? Like, if we've got a problem where we feel like we're one of those people you just discussed, we've done yeah. it all. And um, how can we benefit from you other than your books? Are there courses? Give us one on one. How can we okay. get more out of your work? Okay, so obviously the book is the first starting place. I also have an app called the NeuroCycle app, which is which has been uh, that, that so that really gives you therapy. It really guides you through the process. Then we have as well we're starting a NeuroCycle lab, which is not out yet, but that's where people can then get more um, more into more direct help. Um, and so then and we've also got a coaching program that's coming up. So that that we that we'll train coaches because there's just there's just too many people for me to work directly. Yeah, so exactly. So the mo- show notes, but. But it's it's what's your website where we can at least go access and find out okay so drleaf.com is the website the book is available on amazon wherever books are sold the app is obviously google and itunes and the the um my instagram handle all of my social media handles are dr caroline leaf so it's always that's a good place if they follow me there uh, join up for my um join up for the at the dr leaf.com complimentary to the book meaning get the book maybe get the app and the, the app is where they work yes yes they work in fact yeah they, they work if people get uh, yeah so that's basically the app is is it's, it's complimentary the same language and there's just you know the, where the book describes things the app walks you through it with the videos and the audio and then there's guides there's like there's a guide for how to do neurocycles for your children so you can listen if you're in a, you know, if you're in a, in a situation like you're in a panic attack and you're a cycle for a panic attack or if experiencing extreme grief, neurocycle for grief. So I walk you through the five steps for if you're in like a, um, overgeneralization or catastrophization or rumination or um, anger or frustrate, uh, there's guides to walk you through. So there's the basic 63 day, which is the core of the program, which is in here, obviously. And then the, the hacks, neurocycle guides, which they're also, so the app is another great tool. To, to do that. So yeah, drleaf.com, Instagram handle, Dr. Caroline Leaf, the book, wherever books are sold. And then to watch the space because we've got the lab starting and all kinds of stuff. So yeah, absolutely. And we, of course, we're going to put all of these links in the show notes, but Fantastic. The, the, for the people listening right now that want to go jam and get this on Amazon, it's cleaning up your mental mess. Yeah. Uh, Right, by, yeah. by Dr. Caroline Leaf, and that's yeah. L-E-A-F, just like the a leaf on a tree. 
And um, what, so That's it. how much and fun, it, how exciting to be on the edge of all of this and really help people change what for yeah. decades and decades and millennia people didn't think was changeable or thought was just. Yes, I know. I know. Isn't that beautiful that we actually have agency. We, we track this pathway to empowerment. When you give people autonomy or make them realize they have autonomy, suddenly you can look at a toxic thought and a toxic issue and realize, hey, this is an opportunity, not a barrier. And that's when you see the shift happening. That's when you see the changes happening. You know, and that's what I'm trying to help people see. I also have a podcast. I also have a podcast called Cleaning Up the Mental Mess, which is cool. Same name as the book. And there's lots of information on there as well. And is that you interviewing other people or are you just speaking? I do, I, do, I do solos and I interview. So there's, and I get all kinds of experts related to the field. So I do a solo each week. We release it twice a week. So there's a, one solo and then one uh, with guests. Excellent. So. Thank you so much. You, you really, in your book and in general, your work, you've shown it is possible. Yeah. Please don't continue to be a victim out there. Try this. Have you tried everything? Did you try this? No. Well, then guess what? You're going to try this and you're going to keep trying because the one thing I do know, and this is probably true in your practice too, but this is what I see and it's been for myself as well. Perseverance pays. Absolutely. Totally. I cannot agree more. Well, I really appreciate your work so much. And um, yeah, maybe even great to have you back on again. I'd love to. Some other, some other subjects, but thank you so much. And um, for everyone else, again, this was a video episode, so you can go to Mark's Daily Apple, but all of the links to the video and audio uh, is in the show notes at blog.primoblueprint.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was a wonderful discussion. I loved it. You too. Make sure every salad is dressed for success with Primal Kitchen dressings and marinades. Versatile, flavorful, and unique, use Primal Kitchen dressings to marinate meats, dunk veggies, and add complexity to your favorite salads. With keto-certified, certified paleo, and Whole30 approved options, finding your salad soulmate is a snap. Choose from updated classics like ranch, Caesar, Italian, balsamic, honey mustard, or Greek. Or get adventurous with aromatic sesame ginger, zesty cilantro lime, creamy vegan ranch, or tangy lemon turmeric. Avocado oil-based, these dressings, vinaigrettes, and marinades are an easy, primal-approved way to upgrade any dish. So use the code PRIMALBLUEPRINT to take 20% off your purchase at checkout.